Thank you for joining me today for Carl Erickson's Sounds and Words, a podcast with a difference. Today's podcast is going to be a little different. I uh, recently decided that I wanted to back away from my union. Um, I, uh, in the past, I belonged to SEIU's 503 um, union, and this is for uh, state employees here in Oregon. And some of their positions regarding uh, particularly Black Lives Matter just went a little too bit too uh, far to the left for me. And I attempted to opt out as a union member. And uh, much to my surprise, I I thought with the recent uh, legislation uh, changes that they would be able to to process that. Much to my um, surprise, I found I was locked in until next year because of uh, a contract I had unknowingly signed. So um, I decided to uh, read a past blog post regarding this uh, issue and also to share uh, some insights from Rebecca Milliard from the uh, Freedom Foundation. Need to be said sooner rather than later. Before getting to the meat of this letter, I'd like to preface it by saying that some years back, SEIU did provide some, be it uncoordinated and clumsy assistance regarding some office issues. This led to my return to the union under the rationale that they were a kind of necessary evil. And you can read more about my union ambivalence at uh, various links uh, found within this uh, article on the uh, Singing in the Wood website or blog. I should further disclose that I have even served briefly as a union steward working to help ensure state employees were treated and represented with fairness rather than disdainful bias. Let's face it. State supervisors and human resource departments have a great deal of power at their disposal, and sometimes the worker needs someone in their corner. With SEIU, however, it's their actions outside the office place that truly make it more and more difficult with each passing day to support them, particularly because of Black Lives Matter. The other part of my background is that I almost pursued a police career before I changed professional directions in my late 20s towards state government. Over the preceding years, I attended countless training sessions and uh, had ridden beside officers as volunteer observer from Yakima to Seattle and beyond. I understand police officers, usually, and I've seen many really good ones along with a few that probably shouldn't have been wearing that badge. While, of course, all lives matter and Black Lives Now, The problem with Black Lives Matter as an organization has a lot to do with the people it draws and its stated beliefs. This is an organization that supports the fairy tale subjective versus objective sexual identities, opposes the nuclear family, and stands in opposition to law and order, for example, defunding the police. Whatever nonsense its supporters believe at any given moment, they demand those in positions of power, from mayors to police, police chiefs, show Black Lives Matter unearned respect and honor, kowtowing to the organization by taking a knee, for instance. This isn't an organization aimed so much at racial justice, but an enterprise aimed at reweaving the social fabric in its own image and taking power away from the people. When SEIU members posted on social media the other day about forming a barrier between rioters and city police and federal law enforcement, I voiced my opinion that this was a foolish move. 
My voice was met, of course, with profane responses from SEIU members who must believe that their role as union members is to help BLM damage our cities and injure or kill our police officers. I thought the days of stereotypical union thugs were long gone. Apparently not. This is nothing short of a power grab, and BLM should be recognized as something akin to a fascist organization, since it relies upon force and intimidation to silence those who oppose its siren call for justice. I've witnessed injustice, and when I do, I take constructive action. This is something we can all do. Don't be a bystander. Tearing down buildings and destroying the property of others, however, is not how we achieve justice, but anarchy. I also wholeheartedly support our men and women who form that critical blue line between order and chaos. For these reasons, then, I've decided to opt out as a union member, diverting my precious resources away from an organization that no longer represents my values. So that concludes the blog post that I originally shared. Um, back in July. Now I'd like to offer some insights from um, Rebecca Milliard from the Freedom Foundation on this important topic. Yeah, so one of our goals here at the Freedom Foundation is to increase individual liberty. And one way we've seen individual liberty threatened in this whole is this whole area of mandatory public sector labor unions. In fact, it wasn't until just two years ago in June of 2018 that the United States Supreme Court finally recognized that the First Amendment applies to protect the freedom of speech and freedom of association for public sector workers. And that means that a public sector employee cannot be forced to pay money to a union as a condition of public employment. And that case is, of course, Janice versus AFSCME Council 31, and it ended the practice of fair share fees. And after this decision in 2018, obviously many public employees decided to end their union membership um, and to stop paying any money to the union. But uh, many of them were told when they went to revoke their membership and dues deduction authorizations, um, they were told that they could only end their payments during a window or period of time each year, usually 10 or 15 days in length. And they were told that they had signed a membership card that contained fine print with these provisions and that this controlled their ability to opt out of membership. And uh, as you may imagine, this comes as an unwelcome surprise. And not only is it that that uh, these employees are forced to continue to pay, the money actually comes out of their paychecks before those paychecks ever reach the bank. So it's really truly their employer skimming this money off the top of their um, their pay and giving it straight over to the union. Um, and yeah, for many people, um, this really feels like being forced to pay money for a political entity um, that you disagree with. And this is very much a violation of the constitutional freedoms that we hold dear, especially those protected by the First Amendment. So in Janus, the Supreme Court specifically stated that money cannot be taken from a public sector employee without consent, and that it can't just be, you know— any old kind of consent. It must be consent that's actually shown and proved by clear and compelling evidence. In other words, this, this, an employee, a public sector employer cannot take their employee's money without that employee actually waiving their First Amendment right to not pay. So unions enforcing these window periods and they claim they're valid contracts. 
Um, but Freedom Foundation, believing that this is a First Amendment right that's at issue here, um, we've filed a number of lawsuits, and we challenge this practice, and, and we've been asking courts to um, refund these employees' money and also um, to stop this practice going forward. So, in other words, if you're going to join the union and agree to pay dues, that's fine. Just make sure that it's very clear up front what you're agreeing to do and that you understand you have the right to not join the union in the first place and pay this money. Uh, we have currently have several cases on the issue, um, both at the district court uh, here in Oregon, also in Washington and California, and we have several cases on appeal at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, and right now, um, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, as of this week, issued a decision um, in one of our cases out of Washington um, challenging these windows. And unfortunately, the court uh, decided the union's policy was not a violation of the First Amendment, um, even though these employees signed these membership cards well before the Janus decision, and there was no way that they understood they had the right to not pay money to the union. Um, so it's an unfortunate decision, and we'll be appealing it. Um, first of all, uh, we'll do an en banc appeal to the um, Ninth Circuit again. Um, and then eventually, if need be, we'll, of course, appeal as long as it takes and, and even to the Supreme Court. So that's where we're at right now, and we, we feel that this really is a very important issue. Thank you for sharing that with us today, Rebecca. Now, uh, a little bit of a personal note. Uh, you'll probably have noticed that this this uh, podcast is not coming to you on a on a uh, standard or regular schedule, and I, I am sorry for that. But um, the I I will say in my defense that between the COVID outbreak and my work for the uh, Oregon Employment Department, and then the following uh, surgery and uh, post surgery infection. Thank you, Kaiser. I have been uh, not exactly feeling like doing this podcast, but I looking forward into the future. I, uh, which of course I can't do, but I I do hope that uh, this podcast continues, and uh, I will I will be trying to do it on a little bit more regular basis. But no promises. As as many of you know, um, the Pacific Northwest has been hit. Um, recently with uh, wildfires of a really massive, on a massive scale. And many, many people have um, suffered because of these uh, these fires. Just last week, um, for example, I think it was uh, Monday or Tuesday, I got up at late, somewhat late morning, looked out the window, and uh, it looked like it was still night. And it was actually... Uh, I think it was about 8.30, and, but the, the lights were on, it was dark. I, I actually experienced uh, Mount St. Helens eruption um, back on that May 18th, and uh, this reminded me a lot of that. Day actually did turn to night for a time. Uh, actually, the entire day the, with the smoke first arrived in the Willamette Valley, it was, it was like that. So anyway, things, thank God things have uh, improved immensely with uh, after the rain showers. We're extremely thankful for that. However, we're still looking um, statewide at some really uh, awful misery um, in our Oregon communities. Um, learned today, for example, that 151 families in Southern Oregon um, 
Catholic parishes, for instance, are uh, did lose their homes, and uh, the church is attempting to uh, to do what it can to to assist those those families. So, of course, you're familiar with donation options such as Red Cross and things like that. But I would also uh, perhaps draw your attention to the Archdiocese of Portland Wildfire Relief Fund. And uh, if you wish to donate to that, you can go to qpsalem.org, and there's information on the Queen of Peace website. So that is something you may wish to uh, prayerfully consider. Thank you much, and until next time.